0: and we are live today with living the guide life this week got some fun stuff going on gonna be uh turkey hunting up in the northwood Start shooting grandpa turkey as well as fishing opener starts this upcoming weekend so i'll be up near the brainerd area trying to do some uh wildlife fishing try to catch some dinner maybe a little crop fishing you never know um to see what's around there and see what's biting, so go get that
1: uh, the check.
0: Nah, big yawn, and uh, go see what's happening up there. So should be fun. Can't complain. Um, gonna be up there for the next few weeks, doing some work and doing a lot of fishing. So that'll be fun. Um, but days up. Of- so just brought to you by Jason File Outfitters. Make sure to check us out. Instagram, Facebook, DM me, shoot me a call. Would love to chat with you. Would love to get to know you, hear more about you. And uh, let us know what you want to hear. So just reach out. Doesn't hurt. And uh, I'll chat with you on that aspect. But we are also brought to you by Bourbon Media. And I'm going to give them a few... M- seconds to uh kind of just
2: go over what they're looking for if you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry we get it the words digital marketing can be intimidating You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core Market. We are bourbon media. Cheers to progression. And
0: that wraps things up for bourbon media. Uh great, great deal going on. Uh, new website designs rolling in, content creation, all the above. Um, with them, really fun, neat stuff gonna be happening here. And we're excited for you guys to see it. But I'd love it if you guys also checked out Apple Podcasts review and drop the review always looking to see how I can fix up things or what you guys like and uh, what you guys don't like kind of I want to hear it all so shoot me a review on there and uh, let me know on how everything's going and then as well as make sure to join our private Facebook group as well as all social media aspects to keep up to date with the podcast a lot of fun things coming up that uh, you're not going to want to miss. And it's going to be really cool to uh, portray it on all social media platforms. So, we have Corey Loeffler on today from DRC. And we dig into everything from the Sitka Bibs. Our trip in South Dakota we go over a little bit. Um, also, we just talked about DRC, how he lives lives off the land some of the projects they have coming for DRC the internship they got going on this summer um as well as we dig into some of the caribou hunting he's done and some of the trips that
1: he (sighs) (sighs) likes oh
0: gosh he likes to make and uh it's just really fun to uh, catch up because it's been a couple months since I've seen him so it's fun to chat and I hope you guys really enjoy (laughs) and today we are live with living the guide life and we have cory loafler on today um owner of drc calls does a lot of gun dog work content creation and is a steward of the land so how are we doing today
2: i'm good real good yeah. just finishing up the smoke oh i heard that <laughs> these are uh not just about done not available in the United States anymore. What just went up from Canada? No kidding. That's a candy smoke. <laughs> That's for your time. They probably outlawed them before you were buying candy smoke from the gas station. Oh, I still sell them in Canada though. Uh, my daughter's drag my daughter was dragging around a pack this morning. I think she's she's down by six, seven of them today already. So <laughs> I thought I curbed the addiction, but oh boy, I saw that pack. I couldn't resist. I had to grab one. You can't, not at all. We oh. used
0: to, yeah, um, this, the like little, what are they called? The uh, Like little um, sweets or whatever. And you like crush them up and then you'll be able to blow the powder out during school. We used to do that <laughs> all the time.
2: <laughs> oh no, we had full on smoke, <laughs> full on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but dude, yeah. How's the
0: how's the call shop been? How's everything with calling? Good,
2: yeah. Uh, the last year, COVID was absolutely wild. COVID made the outdoor industry and market go completely wild. So I was swamped with orders all last fall. I pretty much uh, would do a little bit of traveling and come home and just be swamped with orders. So got orders out the door so i could go traveling again and it was just back and forth like that and now this spring finally things have slowed down just a little bit so um we'll be able to get underway with some some big projects that we've had planned for a while i just haven't had time to get them done so
0: absolutely and you
2: got a possible internship
0: as well that you're looking to get people a part of what's
2: yeah we just had we just accepted a bunch of applications for an internship we're looking for a couple couple people guys gals whatever yeah. uh we've we have narrowed down the applications uh to a, a pretty solid stack right now we're kind of going through some of the final processes with that but i think it'll be fun um I've, you know i've got a lot to offer here as far as knowledge in a wide variety of different skills and fields and applications. So I think we'll have a blast. I'm I'm just uh just trying to narrow it down to the two best candidates that are going to work well together and that that, you know really have a passion for creating something or diving into something in the outdoor market, outdoor industry.
0: Yeah. So absolutely that'll be be a lot of fun. Get to learn a little bit about uh steering of the land as well.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll do some We'll do a bunch of gardening out there. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we had hoped to start putting some plants in the garden, but man, it—I think it got down to like twenty-seven degrees again last night. So really? it's just cold. This thing, winter's just got uh, got a grasp on us and just won't leave us alone. So yeah, we had a no. Nice, so we'll get them in there.
0: Yeah, we had a nice few days, and then it just kind of went back to colder weather
2: down where we're at at least too right like we had yeah yeah 80 85 days yeah 85 degrees on Saturday when we were chasing turkeys and yeah. now 27 yellow yeah. <laughs> dang it oh not ideal
0: for the plants but it all happened and then yeah I don't know got uh got turkey season wrapped up for me but I know you're still running around a little bit
2: I was yeah laughing. I just just picked up the license for myself yesterday so i've got a few a few gobblers spotted and um a pack of 35 of them running together last night oh wow couldn't believe it i i mean it's late in the season for that many turkeys to be running together so yeah um a few nice strutters in there i'll probably try to get in a little bit closer to them today sometime later on this afternoon and see if i can't seal the deal but um yeah we've had a blast turkey hunting just kind of stuck around home for the most part got a bunch of kids out a bunch of uh, people that have never shot birds or haven't shot a bird in a long time got them out got birds in front of them and we've got a whole bunch of gobblers on the ground already and uh, it's honestly been a little bit tougher this year because license sales have been up so much hunting pressure has been wild last year sparked a huge influx and increase in turkey hunters all across the country Um, just because of the stay at home COVID Democrat bullshit that we've been doing, dealing with. Um, So it's been good for the outdoor industry. And, you know, there's a little bit of a silver lining in that other than destroying the economy. But (laughs) um, in the process, we've destroyed a lot of turkeys too. So that works out, you know, good, good sandwich meat. Yeah. You'll love it.
0: Yeah, I'm uh <clears> throwing mine in the crock pot. I took off the legs and I'm just gonna kind of do a little pulled turkey or whatnot. That
2: oh man, uh so I didn't do it myself. Kelsey did it. Uh my wife the yeah. other night What? um made she made a stew in the Instapot. Uh so you know, Instapot, same thing as a crock pot, just yeah. a little bit faster. But uh, man, she made a stew. There's some potatoes and carrots in there mm. with a, a bit of a roux gravy. And then she used all the dark meat from the thighs and the yeah. legs, and it was unbelievable. I mean, just phenomenal. I wouldn't probably put the the white breast meat in there. I would yeah. think that yeah. that's a perfect application for that dark meat. But
0: mm, yeah,
2: damn good stuff. Yeah, I've been looking at. What it have that? you done
0: with yours? I was so I'm gonna put it in like a cream of mushroom soup, and then put mm-hmm. in like potatoes, carrots, celery. Uh, and then a bunch of just different seasonings and stuff and then kind of just let it fall apart in the crock pot and Mm -hmm. eat it from there is that what i'm yeah perfect looking to do and then for the white meat probably i don't know last year i deep fried it which was pretty good but i don't
2: maybe Mm -hmm.
0: try to do something else
2: i mean what do you do with your yeah you bet um the white meat let's see uh the heck did i do with that last stuff um Oh, let's see. Then you could do, I mean, it's chicken, you know, yeah. or pheasant. So it's like, whatever. My all-time favorite uh, always is pot pie, freaking mm. dynamite. Yeah. I mean, that's like a <laughs> delicious stew with an awesome pie crust. Like you just can't beat that. Yeah. So um, I love pheasant. I love pheasant and snow goose pot pie. So turkey pot pie ranked right up there. Yeah. Same as those. Uh, but I mean, the sky's the limit when you're talking with that. You know it's lean chicken, so you can dice it up into bite-sized chunks, and then roll it in. What I would do, like if you're doing like a boneless wing, um, or something, or if you want to, I don't know if you want to edit this out or whatever, but I mean a lot of people would call them bitch nuggets, if you will. So (laughs) boneless wings, (laughs) but you can chop those up and then roll them. What I do is I pat them dry, roll them in a, roll them in a flour, and then an egg, and then uh panko it worked okay. really good and uh so then you've got your your breading on the outside of those nuggets uh or those those, those bites and then deep fry those and roll them in whatever sauce you want to roll them in. you know a buffalo hmm. sauce yeah. or you know go as hot as you want to but uh, uh so that's super versatile otherwise you know if you want to go if you kind of want to get basic with it back to the basic bacon Yeah. um i would wrap them in I would wrap them in some bacon, like those those little bites. I'd wrap them in some bacon. That's gonna add your fat. So this stuff is just super lean, very dry meat. So um, you're gonna want to add some fat to it in however you can. But um, adding uh, bacon to it and then uh, water chestnut in there with a toothpick and a jalapeno. I mean, those things are dynamite. Drizzle them with some sweet and hot barbecue sauce. uh, Season them up with with whatever. A lot of that uh, musket powder um the brown musket powder would be awesome on that if you've never tried any musket powder seasoning um let's see we did some turkey wraps like last weekend at the turkey shack and those were uh those are they were tough they were pretty dry and fairly tough but the application we we did probably the worst thing that you could do to a turkey breast. So, I mean, I didn't have high expectations for how, how tender and how moist the meat was going to be. But they're still awesome flavor. But, you know, we just pulled it right off of the bird was dead. We pulled it right off the bird. I sliced it thin. I fry it pretty hot on the flat top. And that's just a, basically it's a disaster for if you're trying to make it really, really good. We didn't age it. We, uh, you know, it would have been better if we'd aged that meat on the bone. Uh, it would have been better if we cooked it slower with more moisture, but no, we just cooked it hot fast, right off bone. <laughs> we were at we were we we're just living, man. It was that turkey camp. We were just driving, so we didn't care. Oh,
0: absolutely! <laughs> but
2: uh, uh, you bet. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're one to age age like game animals. When we were out snow goose hunting, you had that snow goose age out there for a while. That turned out well, though.
2: Yeah, people think I'm pretty busy for doing a lot of that stuff, but um aging aging any meat is going to improve the yeah. texture the texture for the most part and somewhat the flavor too. But um you can age any red meat, you can age any pork, poultry, whatever if you have the right conditions, you're I mean you're way better off aging that stuff. You know, if you go to a fancy steakhouse and they're serving beef steak uh, on the menu. It'll probably tell you how long your beef steak's been aged, and they all brag about that: age twenty-one days, age thirty some days, whatever. So when we go out and shoot a bunch of shoot a mess of snow geese or something like that, and and uh, those birds are still they're they're fresh, they're still pliable, and we're ripping the breast meat right off of the breast, and you know throwing them in a cooler or something. Um, it's probably like the worst thing that you could do. For that meat, because it doesn't get a chance to go through rigor mortis on the bone, which is what you want to help tenderization. Rigor mortis is basically just uh, all of the all of the energy that's stored in the muscles, kind of expelling itself. So, right when you shoot a uh, let's say a, a snow goose, right when you shoot it, it's pliable and floppy. Yeah, and then you let it sit there for a little while, and then it gets stiff, like. If the wings are tucked in, you got to really stretch the wings to pull the wings apart. So that's the bird going through rigor mortis, and then after the rigor mortis has has set in and and is done, and then the bird will be pliable again because all that energy is leaving. So if you can get the bird to go through rigor mortis um, while it's aging, and I don't know the exact time frame on that, but for the most part, any wild game, whether it's snow geese or white-tailed deer or um venison stuff if you can hang it and dry age it on the bone for right around 7 days if you have the conditions that'll that'll uh, allow that that's going to be your absolute best table fare right there and it'll be a hands down noticeable difference between that and something that was laid up and cooked fresh right after you killed it i mean it, it just um the one thing you got to. one side note to that kind of an asterisk behind it one thing you have to watch out with waterfowl is if bb's have ran through the breast meat so again like i always preach uh know your lead and know what you're shooting know what your your pattern what you're shooting shoot smaller shot size and shoot them in the head like know know where you're shooting so that you can pull out in front of the bird another 18 inches or so shoot them in the head you're going to save all that breast meat. You're not going to be chewing on BBs all the time. Um, it's just so common for people to body shoot honkers, especially body shooting ducks and, and geese. And uh, you're just filling, you're just wrecking a whole bunch of meat, filling it all full of BBs. And um, it's, it's a lot faster and a lot cleaner and a lot more tasty if you shoot them in the head. So yeah. I would recommend doing that. If you're poking BB holes through the meat, and the, the like the breast meat, and then you go to age that. The bloodshot meat is going to turn rancid and nasty a lot faster, or pretty soon. And so then, when you age that, it's kind of like one bad apple spoils the whole batch type mm. of mentality. Like one BB hole, that it's gonna it's gonna rot right where that BB hole is. And then it's gonna kind of spread out throughout the breast meat, and that kind of funky flavor is gonna infect that whole that whole breast and It's just not pleasurable. So you want a nice, clean bird and really kind of clean out those BB tracks that are going through the breast. And it'll offer up a lot better culinary experience.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, Yeah, just kind of wanted to go back. I mean, last year, it was so warm for deer opener. We couldn't even hang our Mm -hmm. deer last year.
2: Um, Yeah, that's that's tough. Need a cooler of some sort or controlled climate you know if you want to if you want to hang those deer and that's that's huge i think yeah we pretty much live off that over here uh any type of wild game so i try to take this best care of it as i can because i'm cooking for four girls so <laughs> difficulty level uh, is elevated we'll say that
0: oh absolutely yeah i mean <clears throat> we usually try to hang them but like when it's so warm like what do you do for that kind of scenario? I mean, it was like 70 degrees out when we were
2: hunting the yeah. opener. Um, I keep an eye on them and I will, you know, I've got a cold storage here. So mm. I'll open the doors at night and then I'll close the doors during the day. And then you just keep an eye on them like a deer. A deer will kind of tell you when it's ready to be butchered up. He'll start, to, the deer will start to form a little bit of white mold on the inside of the rib cage and that white mold's totally fine to eat. It does, it's not wrecking anything. Black mold, <laughs> not totally different story. Not good, <laughs> but the white mold is no big deal. Um, you can eat meat with that white mold on it. It's just like penicillin. So not a yeah. big deal. Um, so that's kind of the telltale. As soon as you start to see that white mold on the inside of the rib cage, they have a white tail you just have to i mean it it might be two days after you shot the animal you know you just gotta you gotta butcher it because it's it's about ready and that's all the aging that you're going to get out of it um but the uh, the closer you can keep that animal to say 37 degrees the longer you're going to have before that mold is present and the more aging that you're going to get out of it a lot of the beef that's hung for a long time you know 20 30 40 days that'll be kept in 30 yeah 36 37 degrees and a bunch of that mold forms on the animal but um you're just trying to limit the amount of exposure to bacteria as you can try to keep the animal as clean as possible that will prevent the, the the spoilage from happening and you know this goes for all wild game so turkeys um hang birds by the head and then hang your deer probably by the back legs yeah. try not get any of that try not to rupture or break any of the gut while you're pulling the, the while you're gutting the animal and try not to for sure don't get any of those juices on the meat itself that's all bad bacteria and it's just going to mm. duplicate uh, super fast on the surface of that meat and um so that should you know hopefully help someone out out there that's that's listening in and yeah. uh experience some um, a little bit better, better table fare with that that wild game. Absolutely, the good stuff.
0: The good stuff. And you're the best. At yeah, it. I
2: mean, with aging and everything, that, about but, that, uh, dude. It's something else. I, I'm I'm not the best. I'm far from the best, but <laughs> I try, and that's what I live off of. That's what I eat. So, um, yeah, if you want to eat good food, you gotta get you gotta know what the heck you're doing in a little bit, and, and try to get good at it. So, um, I try to learn as much as I can. Absolutely.
0: And then for the people that kind of haven't heard your backstory of how you got into the hunting industry, how did that all come about?
2: Uh, I guess, I mean, I grew up basically as a townie in Thief River falls, just riding my bike around town, playing sports, whatever. Uh, I was introduced to, to hunting basically through my family on my mom's side, my uncles and my grandpa and cousins, uh, you know, mostly just deer hunting, and then it, things got quite a bit more serious than that. I was in, I was playing sports, hockey and football in middle school, and then just about into high school, broke a broke my hip in a car accident, so that mm. kind of ended that stuff. And then I just um, was so, you, you know, hockey up here in the in the tundra uh, mm-hmm. in northern Minnesota, hockey's so intense, mm. and you practice so much. So I was so used to being busy, 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 busy all the time with school and then hockey every night and hockey all weekend and everything. So then when hockey quit, I picked up bow and arrow and I started shooting archery and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Like I had to do something after class. I wasn't a gamer, um, not into Xbox, Nintendo garbage. So (laughs) I picked up bow and arrow, started shooting that and you know, one thing led to another and then archery hunting and, uh, and then I started waterfowl hunting and hauling and ducking goose calling contests because hunting was the only part of hunting that I hated was that it was only like, you know, about three months out of the year. Yeah. So what the heck am I going to do these other nine months? So then that's when uh, I started picking up a goose call and, and really uh, going to hell on practicing and, and trying to compete goose calling contests. And um, I just kind of fell in love with that aspect of it because it kind of extended the hunting season. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of still live that, that waterfowl life while there was no season to, to be had, but I was still um, actively trying to get better blowing a goose call and a duck call a little bit, but, ah, uh, duck calls are annoying. So yeah. I don't, I don't blow a competition duck call. That's why I like goose calling. Um, I like shooting geese That's how I cut my teeth in the, in the waterfowl world, uh, chasing big honkers up here in Northern Minnesota. Yeah. But, um, Yes, yeah, so it was that and uh, contest calling and stuff, and then that led right into I couldn't find a call on the market. I, like this is back in oh oh three four five six seven, and I couldn't find a call on the market that fit everything I was looking for in a call. Like some had this, some had that, but there I couldn't find the complete package out there. So I just said, hell with it. I'm just going to go and design my own. And kind of did it for personal use. And then one thing led to another and turned it into a business and uh jumped in head first there, sank my whole life savings, everything I'd saved up into um the equipment and everything that was needed to to get the call company off the ground and um did that I kind of right out of college, about a year or so after college, and then that was I don't know what the hell, 14 years ago or something like that. So I've just been giving her hell ever since.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. I mean, find out what you need in the outdoor industry and then they don't have it. Might as well make it. Uh, Yeah. That's what it, that's what
1: it
2: was. I'm pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty handy when it comes to, mechanical engineering oh if if there's a way i'll figure it out god damn it i'll figure it out so if the women don't find you handsome they should at least find you handy Uh, red green said that and i i really took it to heart so
0: if somebody shoots your radiator in a four in the four-wheeler you're you're dialed in
2: yeah and that was lead shot we found that out so we know who did that it wasn't my four-wheeler that got shot but I was lead investigator. Um, we figured it was it not. Out. We thought it. Was, we we thought maybe it was copper plated bismuth. Yeah. Upon further investigation, it was copper plated lead. Yep. Number five, I believe, or sixes. I can't remember. I but think, uh, yeah. so we know we know who you are, and we know you shot the four wheeler. <laughs> Look out! Oh, I have to we're, say about that. For you. Uh, <laughs> not not me, but <laughs> someone else might be. Yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. And then
2: you were you
0: were out there for quite a long while after I left. How was that running and gunning, personnel?
2: Yeah, uh yeah. So South Dakota, uh South Dakota snow goose season, kind of the the um, the main migrating push of birds. Uh, was it it was goofy i'd never seen a spring like that out there i've chased birds out there uh, a lot i don't know how many years now but uh it just like nothing would stick around and set up a feed almost anywhere so it was just hunting migrators all day every day and setting spreads that were on big hilltops and hiding as best he could um, so numbers were kind of all over the board. Some days good. And some days were horrible. If yeah. you didn't have a flight over your field and didn't see any birds, then I well, ain't going to kill much. Yeah. Uh, but we, we made the best of it. It was just such a goofy, goofy year, really, really cold. And then right. really, really warm and dry. So it just all of a sudden hit and birds were, birds were gone. And we were hearing reports of birds in in up into saskatchewan and we were hearing reports of birds in missouri yeah so it's like whoa, what the heck where are they you know they just kind of they were pretty well spread out and a shitload of them went through minnesota this year guys yeah. over in minnesota hunting them were doing really good <laughs> they, they were like they were seeing more birds than we were in <laughs> south dakota half the time like well you don't see that every year but
0: no not at all I mean, so, yeah i mean God, it was crazy it was, it was cold though when we were out there i mean when i was out there it was it was chilly
2: yeah yeah it was chilly um dry definitely yeah. dry and i think that was the biggest factor with with most all of it so yeah but because i mean yeah could, we had, you had, you had some you could drive
0: fun. into like a lot of spots where it's not like super muddy i mean i feel
2: like yeah i mean that's not un- that's unheard here. of yeah right uh to chase spring snows and drive a pickup and a trailer out to a field <laughs> when does that happen you know once every 12 years or something so
0: yeah were you yeah. able to like, use the big trailer out there
2: uh blind? no never did never nope. did drove it down there nope no trailer blind this year uh just couldn't find the perfect spot yeah. for it that was in enough cover and dry enough yeah so yeah it's kind of more of a fall thing or uh probably just needed to drag it out there with the, a wheeler with tracks on it or something like that. Um, just didn't have a spot for it. So yeah. whatever. I've no big that. deal. Well, right on.
0: Yeah. Today's the last day to put in for a bear tag in Minnesota as well. I thought,
2: do you oh, really, I didn't need,
0: yeah, I did know that we're,
2: uh, yeah, I have in the past. We're in no quota area over ah. here around my house. So if I want to shoot one, it's just, and I, I might, I, don't care about shooting them, but I might bait for them if I, if I find some time. Yeah. I have a bunch of friends that want to shoot bears. I don't know. I've shot a couple, two, three, four, something with my bow and arrow, and it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. So I'm over it. But you know, if someone, I like baiting and yeah. checking trail cameras and stuff more than shooting them. But if someone wanted to, sh- wanted to hunt one, one of my buddies, yeah, I could find myself setting up a. A bear bay, but the the population is expanding, or their areas are increasing, or whatever. But oh my gosh, we see so many more bears now around where I live yeah. compared to ten, twenty years ago. It, it's unreal how many bears are over here. I never thought that I would hunt bears on my uncle's land, like you know, land that I deer hunt on. Yeah. Uh, to see a bear over in that country is extremely rare. And now, yeah, there's, there's bears cruising through there all the time. So I was going to set up a bait. It would just be on, on family ground. And never, never thought I would see that in my life, but we're here. So we'll do it. Yeah. There's some giants over there. One three legged one seen him two years in a row. He's missing a back leg. Really? Um, and gets along pretty good. Can't walk or the shit, but he can (laughs) run really fast. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, there was one. Gosh, she had something like four or five cubs, and I think this was last spring. Little ones; she just gave birth to them. Um, so, uh, but I don't know if anyone's seen her around anymore. I don't know if she adopted those cubs or if she gave birth to all of them. I mean, that's kind of unheard of. But yeah, yeah, we have some cell phone video of her running across the road, followed. I I want to say it was four or five different tubs right in tow and they were all the same size. So wow. Uh, yeah, that was that was one or two years ago, something like that. So yeah, I mean even but, even like where we
0: my grandparents live over in the Brainerd area, like the amount of berries mm-hmm. you start to see now compared to yeah. like when we start going up there. I mean mm-hmm. last year I was seeing quite a few on the way to work with my grandpa or whatever it was.
2: That was Wow. Like, yeah
0: yeah it just kind of popped up out of nowhere
2: yeah their areas territories they're expanding and they put on some crazy amount of miles too I mean, yeah those track bears i mean no it's nothing for a bear to just get up and walk 25 miles in a night you know yeah. in complete darkness follow a river whatever it is and yeah, just go go for a cruise yeah i mean but how
0: like quiet and like they just hang out and don't even care if like you're there i mean we used to bait up near like Cloquet, and like yeah. mm-hmm. we'd go bait and then like 20 minutes later you'd get on the trail camera of like a bear being there yeah just oh yeah that's us the entire time
2: <laughs> yeah that that four-wheeler whatever you guys were baiting on that's like the dinner bell you just do it the same exact way every <laughs> single time so that they're just hanging out in the bush right next to you they listen to every footstep they listen to all your buckets and the car doors shut and- yeah. And drive away and they sit for about 10 minutes and like <laughs> mouth is water and they're drooling. Like, okay. Fresh bait here. Time to go. Time to chow down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean the best, as far as bear hunt goes, I mean the best day, the best time to sit is to be the first person to sit at a, a bait or a new bait station yeah. and then go out to hunt super early when they go to bait and you'll go to bait. And the hunter will go climb in the stand. The person baiting will leave. I mean, yeah, it's like clockwork. Yeah. But it's probably 50% of the time a bear will show up within 20 minutes, and you, you're you tagged out. The guy's not even to the next bait yet. Yeah. And you uh, punch an arrow through one or something. So, Yeah. No, yeah. You bet.
0: It'd be exciting. I'm trying to, I'm oh. to shoot a bear up in uh, unit 99. So I think that's over near the oh, wow. okay area and stuff like that. That's where my buddy told me to put oh, in. because that's where they've been doing it but yeah, yeah i mean should be good and then how's the dog training been lately you've been out
2: uh good yeah we've been out quite a bit here uh snow is gone obviously and yeah. water's starting to warm up so we had a big weekend last weekend we chased turkeys around and then people uh brett amundsen and yeah. um oh let's see max Barta was gonna come up he's got another a a puppy out of that litter um steve nosbish he was he's got a a male out of that litter and uh, lucas carlos has a male out of that litter but it was a litter that we put on the ground last year and Mm -hmm. then those guys brought those puppies up we did a turkey hunting dog training weekend and did a bunch of a bunch of that stuff those dogs are just shy of nine months old right now so and then i had Rue and bonnie out there as well so we had five dogs um so we turkey hunt dog train turkey hunt dog train eat supper go to bed midnight wake up at four do it all over again and we ran out of gas pretty quick last weekend (laughs) (laughs) a lot of walking not a lot of sleeping so um but it was it was a great weekend we had a bunch of fun Uh, got some really good dog training in put birds on the ground some turkeys and uh, so yeah i've been continuing on with that just kind of getting bonnie and rue just giving them some good exercise and then doing some dog drills in the backyard some tune-up stuff and kind of get them ready to run some hunt tests this spring yeah when i i do that i Rue Rue will probably run a couple um tests in the hrc okay but uh, Bonnie will run, she'll finish some stuff up in the AKC and maybe run in the HRC as well Uh but other than that, Boone's not running any tests anymore he's done, He's yeah. he's got all the titles that he needs so he's just hanging out Rue's got her master title so I'll probably try and put a HRCH or hunting retriever champion title on her and then Bonnie is got a couple passes towards the senior title and so she'll need three more passes to accomplish that. And then we'll see how Bonnie's doing, but I think she could probably jump into some, um, probably jump into some master tests. Yeah. Maybe late summer, something like that. We'll see how she's doing, see how much time I have to put forth to it. But I like, um, I like doing that dog training, training my own dogs and running them in hunt tests, putting some titles on them and putting kick ass litters on the ground. And, uh, seeing that that whole circle come together is pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. What are some of the like drills that you're working on right now?
2: Uh right now. Yesterday we were working on some whistle sit stuff, mm-hmm. just crispening up those whistle sits. Um let's see. That like a simple wide drill in the backyard which is kind of a version of a land T or a modified key. And then uh, we're running some what we'd call school blinds, kind of old blinds or school blinds on another chunk of ground through uh, some sort of difficult terrain, like down through a swamp and up over a couple hills and uh, uh, between 100 and 150 yards away wow. on those. So just kind of crispening up some whistle sits, some hand signals, getting them to. And go through fight through brush and um, pick some straight lines through the blind versus picking the the easy line up and around or something like that you know we always try to we always try to push the dog on a straight line from point a to point b versus letting them go around a pond or go around a big chunk of brush or something like that just like to keep them on a straight line and that's how you that's how you pass hunt tests that way it's not doesn't really have too much of a hunting application but hunting training and hunt test training are pretty much two totally different things yeah so we have hoops to jump through (laughs) in the in the hunt test world so that's what we do that's what we train for
0: absolutely do you guys ever bring puppies down to game fair I
2: mean, we we have in the past if they're old enough to, Mm -hmm. but we try not bring puppies there. Uh, Typically, if we have puppies on the ground, we'll bring them there to meet people that are buy or that have bought them and pick them up there. And then we have brought oh, we've sold some puppies there for other people, and I think we brought maybe four, three puppies from one of our litters one time. Um, Let's see. Who are those? I know of the one puppy, Silas. He got his master title last year. That must he must be about three years old. That would have been probably oh, wow. three years ago that we did that. Okay. So Julia, Julia and Silas, I've kind of followed along with those guys. She um, mm-hmm. took the dog training really well. Kind of fell in love with it and has been. Uh, she got hooked up with Tim and Lauren Springer, dynamic retrievers, to mm-hmm. I'm good friends with, and uh, yeah, she's those two. That little that that team there has been really kicking butt. So That's awesome. she got a senior and master title put on that dog last year. So oh, wow. been fun to been fun to watch. Yeah. Okay. No yeah. Do you
0: yeah. think uh, Game Fair will be open this year?
2: Uh, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now that- Game Fair, it's it needs to be needs to be one weekend. Yeah. We'll see what COVID garbage does and the regulations do they follow the state fair basically. Yeah. So if the state fair is gonna be open, game fair will be open. Um but I don't know. I'm just I, I'm kind of over it being two weekends long. Yeah. It just needs to be condensed down into one weekend if it's four days or if it's just three days. I think there's definitely enough enough space on the grounds to get everyone through in one weekend that wants to go there. And, um, but no, it was kind of fun not having it last year. I mean, kind of a bummer, not seeing people and friends, but it was kind of fun too, because I went up to Alaska yeah. and got a whole bunch of salmon and stock freezer full of salmon that we're still eating now. Yeah. So no complaints here. That's awesome. Who'd you go up
0: to Alaska with?
2: All by myself. Really?
1: That's intense. Yep. Yeah. I've got I've got a bunch of friends up there, so yeah. it
2: was was pretty easy. I, I imagine. Um uh, I know I know my spot. on the river, so <laughs> And you have been caribou <laughs> hunting up there too. Haven't you? Oh yeah, up on the up on the tundra, up north of the Brook Range by Prudhoe Bay. Yeah. Um Dead Horse. Kinda. Just south of there, not too far, but yeah. In two thousand, been a while. Two thousand fourteen, two thousand sixteen, made a couple trips up there, and that's a wild trip. That's, that's oh, I unreal. Imagine. I mean, that country's cool. I'm, I'm just glad I got to see that part of the world. It's so neat, so, so yeah. wild, desolate. Like, I don't know, no houses for five hundred miles. Yeah, or not, not that far, but two hundred, three hundred at least. Oh, so absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be a sweet trip.
2: Yeah, you're you're definitely in a different mindset up there because we have this security blanket when we're putting around home or we're sitting at our houses or at school, whatever we're doing. Like nine one one is just a phone call away, and <laughs> someone will come in with bandages and a needle and stitch you up, and you know whatever it is. um Get you fixed up, not a problem. But uh, up there, if you want a Snickers bar? If you want a Band-Aid? Like tough shit. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> you can walk 400 <laughs> miles that way, and they'll get you your Snickers bar if you're hungry. Yeah. So, good luck. How do um, you guys get
0: out there? So, yeah, just like a float plane
2: or just take a boat uh, so you? there's one. There's one road. It's called the Hall Road. And it is uh, it is kind of like the, the lifeline of of petroleum and supplies from Fairbanks to a dead horse, Crudeau Bay. And that's where the oil rigs are at up there. They're pumping oil from the slope. And then the, the oil goes into a pipeline and then it goes to Valdez. Valdez is the further, Valdez is the closest port that stays open. It doesn't freeze 12 months out of the year. Oh, wow. So the oil's piped down to Valdez from up there. And then the the road is basically, the road parallels the pipeline for the most part. And it's called the Hall road because all the gear is hauled on that road. So you can just drive the road. It's just a really crappy gravel road that's, I don't know, 500 miles long or something. And uh, you just camp alongside the road and pitch tent wherever, all public ground all federal land basically to hunt up there so there's different regulations of hunting which side of the road you can hunt and it's an a five mile what would be a 10 mile wide archery corridor from either side of that road so if you start on that road you can only archery hunt five miles on either side of that road so whichever side you want to hunt on uh, oh. if you want to shoot a caribou with or wolf bear whatever with a rifle you can start there with a rifle but you have to walk five miles get five miles away from the road before you can shoot your rifle so that's how that that's how that hunt works i shot everything with bow and arrow up there Uh, one guy did shoot a grizzly bear with a rifle the one year and um he'd hiked out that day went hunting by himself and ran into a 13 year old sow grizzly bear and Piled her up, so Fair we enough. ate some of her back draft, and, and I'm just not not real keen on grizzly bear meat all yeah. that much. Yeah, what is it? don't need to shoot anymore.
0: What's that like? I mean, I like, I like um, black
2: bear, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Different. Strong yeah. and weird, I guess. I, it's tough to explain. I, you just have to shoot one. <laughs> Go find out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's easy just, just, and do they just get, just, get up like,
0: there walk around yeah just go walk around and shoot one quick and then up. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> all you gotta do but i was gonna say so for the archery deal like you can only go with five miles or whatever is that just because they don't want people shooting towards the road with rifles or what
2: um it's the pipeline they don't want they don't want any rifles going off around the pipeline they don't want you to shoot holes in the pipeline so they just said it's bow and arrow only on five miles either side of the pipeline and then no bullets can puncture it yeah to reduce oil spills and commotion ruckus so it makes for a pretty cool hunt because it's just all caribou getting chased around with bow and arrow and yeah quite a few people up there hunting off the hall road uh that's cool. Rugged.
1: Yeah. Wild. How far were you shooting your, like, terrible from? With the hell?
2: Uh, shot, shot one at 55 yards. I shot one at 38 yards. Oh, wow. I shot the first one at 20, 20 25 yards. Wow. Hold that on run. Just piled it up. <laughs> didn't Didn't know what hit him. He went 20, but yeah. <laughs> down the ravine, lights out. Yeah. Didn't break his horns off either, so that was good.
0: No <laughs> Is that a thing, like a big thing on they break their horns off if they go die down like that in the ravines?
2: Oh Yeah, he like yeah. fell fifteen, fell off a 15-foot cliff onto a wow. creek bottom, all rock, and just up over the snowbank into like died midair and <laughs> hit the ground, so yeah, I was kind of lucky that. He didn't break either of his antlers off and in good shape. Yeah. Just a little, just a little uh, pre-butcher meat tenderization practice that I like to follow. <laughs> Strategic arrow placement.
0: Yeah, it just makes it easier for you, makes it easier for everybody else. Uh, yep. I, yep. I noticed they're doing like, or they were talking about like closing an area for caribou up there. Did you see that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really close to where we hunted actually. Okay. Uh, units. Oh boy, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um no, it's kind of just the local. I think it was the local native culture, just bitching that they didn't want anyone else hunting grizzly bear or what was it, moose and caribou yeah. in their area. So it was just kind of to appease the the local natives, yeah, the local population, natives or something, and. Um, no, I don't know. It's it's all federal land. So I definitely disagree with it. Yeah. Federal land, it should be should be wide open and yeah. fair game for for anyone. But I can't remember how that turned out. I followed along with it a little bit, read up on it some and it's yeah, definitely a hot topic. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, no, that's I saw it on Sarah Langbell's post and she was
2: posting about it or something and
0: then I was
1: like. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I've never really
1: yeah.
0: Sam Soholt, Sam Soholt knows, knows quite a bit. Yeah. Um, So, Sam, I was, uh, have you talked to him about his conservation shirt? That's, that's a cool topic. I mean, that's a sweet thing that he's doing over there.
2: Um, yeah. Conservation, 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 crossroads. Yeah. Crossing t-shirt, uh, and, and program package. Uh, Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Wow. A membership, buy one t shirt for 125 bucks and get five memberships. Into, I'll probably forget something, but uh Delta Waterfowl was pheasant forever in there. Yeah. Mule Deer, Mule Deer Foundation, National Wild Turkey Federation. Yep. And not sure the fifth one. Elk, it was like backcountry, backcountry Hunters or something like that. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. <laughs> cool deal. Definitely uh, worthwhile yeah program check out it's one-stop shop pay the pay the price run the card once and all five membership benefits right there done deal automatically signed up
0: yeah no doubt and then i kind of wanted to dig into more of the sick to whites and how those kind of all work together with what you do so how did uh yeah how did that affect your season with having those
2: um it was it was a lot of fun you know the The production shoots came here to my house and did some filming. And then we went on a hunt or two together, did a bunch more filming, did a a bunch of photography stuff. And so I kind of was involved with watching um, all of the marketing material get put together for a, a product a pretty big product and a, and a really big launch so it was it was awesome to see everything kind of all aspects of it from start to finish and what all goes into a project like that um, that it was it was fun i thought i got to be a part of it and they thought i they got a kick out of my story over here just living on the tundra uh <laughs> planting a big garden shooting a bunch of stuff living yeah. off the land and not letting stuff go to waste and, and utilizing vegetables, meat, game animals at, you know, making them the best that they can be and putting that stuff on the table for my family. Yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's kind of cool. They did the buttons on the bottoms instead of having the zipper go like all the way down and stuff like that. I thought That was a cool idea.
2: Yeah. As far as design work, on the whites uh man i didn't run into any issues with them at all Uh, we didn't like i said it was dry in south dakota so it wasn't super muddy but uh let's in their traditional products say like the patno bibs or the hudson bib they're gore-tex bib so they're going to keep wind and water out yeah. and the zippers typically they'll, they'll have zippers on the sides of the leg that run the entire length of the garment or like you're, an entire leg zipper and allows you to get the bibs on and off a lot easier and it's really convenient to have that zipper there yeah. uh, but the the and, and they're awesome quality zippers um, but they're constructed with really super high tolerance so that you can't get wind or water through those zippers. So the the zipper matches the quality and the performance of the garment. Well, when you pack those zippers plump full of mud, something's got to give in that combination because the zippers are are manufactured with such a high tolerance that Mm -hmm. inside that zipper pull, there's only room for the zipper teeth. yeah, And that's it, nothing. So when you add mud, and you jam pack a bunch of mud into that, um, into that combination, it doesn't go good. So when guys get their zippers plump full of mud, and then they're running those zippers up and down, something's got to give and something, typically the zipper pull is just going to, it's going to expand a little bit. And, uh, and something's going to fail there, basically, if you keep on abusing it in that way and misusing it that way. So, uh, you know, with other types of metal Tooth zippers—they can handle some mud and grime in there, but they're far from waterproof, windproof. So it doesn't do you much good, uh, much good there. Um, but yeah, so Sitka kind of went ahead and um, just just try to eliminate that altogether. Ran the zipper down to about your knee, and then created a storm flap over the zipper and over the button enclosure for the bibs. So the yeah. storm flap um, is going to shed. As much mud as possible. But for the most part, it's just making a, a windproof, waterproof garment that has a zipper that matches that performance, windproof, waterproof, and keeping mud out of those zipper teeth as much as possible uh, to increase the longevity of the garment and the performance as well, while still maintaining an easy on, easy off set of bibs. Yeah. So um, they could make the things like a big, huge tube a uh, straight leg big tube where you could get your boots in them with no zippers at all so there would be no zippers to fail yeah. but uh you know that's just uh, just not comfortable and not practical and um just a, a big huge it'd be like wearing a set of mc hammer pants yeah. something like that while you're out you probably don't even know what that is
0: <laughs> barely but i i have a vision a little bit <laughs>
2: you can't touch this
0: yeah Exactly. Yeah, no, that'd be uh that'd be interesting way if they did like just one sleeve, because that just wouldn't be comfortable.
2: I mean, uh yeah, it's just there's products like it on the market that, yeah, different ones, but
0: because I mean, every time when I put my boots on in the morning or whatnot, I always have them unzipped and then just zip back up, but to have them like I don't, know, it would just be weird.
2: Yeah, right, like, right, right. I don't know, and after the. After the release of the the whites, we grabbed a whole bunch of sets of them and then took a road trip with Brett Amundsen to Kansas and Oklahoma, Texas, back up to Kansas and delivered a bunch of sets of whites to guides and outfitters along the way. Stopped in for a hunt for maybe one day. I mean, like at Falco, it was three days. They couldn't get rid of us over there. They kicked us out. i was like i'll wash dishes i'll i'll help uh i'll clean your decoys and they're like no we you gotta get out of here no they, they didn't say that it was it was awesome just meeting meeting a whole bunch of guys that i've pulled calls to over the years and uh getting the chance to hunt with them and kind of create that that friendship and, and kind of kick that off um it, we had way too much fun on that trip it was it was a good one.
0: Oh yeah so i mean All the guys that you guys stopped with are really good dudes. I mean, I've talked to Toby and Josh, but he wasn't there when you guys were there. He was sick. He was yeah, he was
2: there, but he's so sick. He was on his deathbed. Yeah. I saw him in a robe going to and from bathroom, bedroom, bathroom, bedroom. That was about (laughs) it. He's oh yeah, we were worried about him. We he's he toughed it out though and uh now since then we've been we've been chatting and um but he's all right after that yeah. round of whatever so
1: yeah yeah no, they are cool
0: you and guys a bunch of guys that are just really fun to talk to and cool
2: I yeah a, yep, that's yeah aaron's incredible. down there aaron's down there training dog and then yeah. jd's down there um just being jd and and uh <laughs> running duck hunts and, yeah gosh the those those three guys are they're wild they run a, a really real just a really cool operation and i've oh, got yeah. to, to hang out
0: so yeah i mean when i was talking to Josh about like the experience down there um i just like the lodge and everything they have sounds like pretty sweet
2: um uh, what Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like kind of cool yeah it's uh i i you know i said it's I said it, fix her up or yeah. you know whatever. Yeah, they'll they'll make something of it one day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. that's awesome. <laughs> Look up Paulco. Yeah, you know I'm you know I'm joking. <laughs>
0: oh, exactly. You got any other trips planned this year on going out during the fall?
2: Uh, gosh, falls a long ways away. I'm not sure what I'm going to do this afternoon. So this fall, yeah, I got I. I have some things (laughs) planned, some archery stuff, some whitetail stuff, a bunch of honker stuff. And then I just kind of always stick up north. I love Canada. You know, obviously everyone loves Canada and seeing all my Canadian friends that I haven't been able to see for a while. So hopefully that border opens sooner rather than later. But Apparently those Canadians are pretty freaked out about this stupid fake virus that we have going on. So I don't know when that border is going to open. It might be a long time. Um, Kind of bummed out for all my outfitter friends up there that are trying to run businesses and they want to open that border up. And basically, you know, basically almost a hundred percent of their clients are American clients yeah. that can't get up there. So lodges are just sitting sitting empty mouse mansions in the off season. It's about it. Just oh, uh, yeah. housing multiple families of mice. Yeah. So um no, other than that, probably stick around here, whack a bunch of honkers in Minnesota, yeah. do a bunch of archery hunting early on, some whitetails around a little bit. Yeah, upgrading my archery arsenal this year waiting for that bow to show up and Exciting. um oh we're gonna we got to do the our uh, backpack backpack swamp living and duck hunt again that's on the docket the last year and i can't say a whole lot about the trip but we boated all of our supplies in decoys here some food yeah. one dutch oven that's all we had one those are that was our utensils it was one dutch oven didn't even have fork i made a wooden spoon i whittled one out it's still in my kitchen to this day i don't know what kind of wood it's made out of yeah. uh but uh yeah we loaded all of our stuff in and set up camp and built a two-sided log we call the log cabin it was just two two walls with tarps over the top of it but it was pretty nice and uh we built that we stayed in our little log cabin that we built and we just duck on it for three days four days straight i think we spent three nights out there first night we went in built this great big tall cabin thing and it was pretty mild temperature early october i believe so we built this great big tall thing and it was no big deal. Then the winds were forecasted to just howl and blow snot shit storm out of the Northwest the next night. So we had to take the whole cabin down. We cut a whole bunch more dead trees down and whittled those down, built this big two-sided log cabin deal, and then just doubled up the tarps. So then we shortened it way up so it was we couldn't walk into it anymore. So we had to crawl into it, but it was, height after yeah. that so like we survived the storm and the winds and blowing snot and didn't get wet kept all our gear dry in there couldn't build a fire in it so that was a bummer yeah um not really a design flaw just a <laughs> inconvenience but uh, <laughs> next, yeah we're going to go back i know the cabin's still there cuz they're not going to move that son of a yeah. bitch and um we went down and got a whole bunch of <laughs> of grass next to the river and all this mucky clay river mud and we mixed all that stuff up and then we chinked the sides of the cabin with the uh, you know the cracks in between all the logs yeah. we chinked all that with that grass and mud and i'm mm. really curious to see what the cabin looks like today because you know obviously it survived a winter yeah and uh, can't wait to get back up there add on to that thing i wouldn't mind doing maybe two maybe three more trips this fall to that spot to just keep on adding to that thing and hopefully, hopefully, get it up, put all four walls on it, get it up, I don't know, five, six feet tall, put yeah. a tarp over the top of it, somewhere we can light a fire inside, and then we'd be living the high life. That'd be so sweet. That No more crawling sweet. in and out of the cabin.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do even like, uh, like a moss roof or something over the top of it, just oh. like build it all up. Chimney and yeah,
2: everything. That's, <laughs> yep, that's what I'm looking for. Like, so, that would be that would be yeah. sweet. Photographed a bunch up there. We filmed a whole bunch of it. So, yeah, that's a big project that,
0: that you're coming I'm out with. Coming out Ooh. sometime. We'll Ooh. see. That's exciting, then. We'll see. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I remember you talking about it a lot when we were out in South Dakota. You mentioned it. That sounds like mm-hmm. a cool trip like yeah oh, it was it
2: as fun as heck it was wild just off, off
0: <laughs> roading off in the woods just all by yourself mm-hmm. doing your thing oh yeah duck oh.
2: yep like, yep boiling water cooking cooking pasta with river water boiling that up yeah it's kind of i don't know seen that river water up there <laughs> i don't know <laughs> So i'm still alive to tell about tell, tell the tale
0: yeah exactly and i mean you're you're one with the land so i mean if it, if it beats you up that means it's right. pretty tough yeah <laughs> you got, you got both of them dialed in. i reckon but yeah uh, no. yeah I, mean, I think we uh we covered a lot today um and i kind of wanted to wrap it up didn't want to take too much more of your time but there anything else that you want to go over before we kind of wrap it all on up
2: uh man i'm I'm, i don't know not really we're just living up here always uh keep my yeah just living the tundra tundra life we gotta try to keep it exciting (laughs) in the middle of nowhere but i always keep everyone fairly up to date on my social media platform mostly instagram instagram stories yeah so just Corey Loeffler on Instagram. If you want to follow along on some of it there, but awesome. uh, we've got a little bit more turkey chasing to do and then more dog training and the interns yep. and big projects for the DRC call company this summer. Um, Very exciting. About it should Very be good. Exciting. Yeah, man.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for hopping on once again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah,
2: thank you very much.
0: Take Uh, care.
1: All
0: right, see ya. That wraps things up today for living the guide life. And it was super fun to talk to Corey on, you know, different ways to cook, wild game, how to age, wild game, and what you can do to make it better, Um, as well as, you know, some of the stuff that, he's going to be doing this summer for the internships and some of the projects coming up will be really fun to watch those go down as well as you know this is regular season and uh how his turkey season wraps up so I hope he shoots a turkey and uh gets after it so but I'll uh catch you guys later and I hope you enjoyed